I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, May 1, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY, or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have a lot of things on the plate to discuss today. So we're going to get right into the action and get to, was today a reversal? And the question is answered like this. It qualifies for a reversal candle. No question about it. However, things go a lot deeper. We're going to discuss the entire gamut in this video. We'll discuss everything we can, everything I've got, which is a laundry list of items that I want to bring to our attention, everything we should be looking at. So pay attention. This should be a fun-filled, action-packed video. Before we really get rolling, let me just thank everybody for participating, making comments and posts underneath the video each and every night. I love the interaction, and you know how I especially love the banter back and forth. In addition, if it's worthy, and only if it's worthy, hit the thumbs up button on the video, and then go ahead and share the video with anybody that you think can benefit from this information. Back to business. Let's get right into the heart of the matter. Was today a reversal candle? Technically speaking, as far as I'm concerned, it is. How do I measure that? As far as today goes, and there's more, so don't jump on the bandwagon just yet. But as far as today goes, we closed below yesterday's low, and we also made a higher high than yesterday's high. We had what's called a gap and crap. We can certainly assign that to the Federal Reserve, Kabuki Theater. We'll talk about that as the video goes on. We don't need them right now. Let's talk about the S&P, specifically the Spider. Let's talk technicals. Let's talk bogeys or price levels. What's important on the downside and what holds this market up What is the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crews objective? We have to look at both sides. Could this be a top? Absolutely. Were we looking for a top? Of course we were. We've been looking for a top. We're in the time zone. I know I kept talking about that, and I've actually gotten a lot of slack on that lately, notwithstanding the slack IPO coming, but I've gotten a lot of heat from emails and posts on the videos and stuff like that. I think there's a misunderstanding. Just because I say we're in the window doesn't mean that I know exactly what day and time the market may turn. If you'll recall, what we've been saying, and it's been said a number of times, it can happen from anywhere, from any price. Once we got in the zone, we're looking for a market turn from anywhere. We don't know exactly where and from what price the market will turn. We don't know that today is a top. We're going to peel back the onion. We're going to look farther. Let's go deeper into the daily chart and we'll go from there. So we're still in an uptrend. We can't lose sight of that. Was today a reversal day? Yeah. Does that mean the market has to collapse? No. You have to put all this in perspective. Everybody's looking for downside in the market. That means you're going to have a lot of traders that immediately buy puts. They bought puts today. They're going to buy puts tomorrow morning. As I make this video, the market is actually down more than from where it closed. So we've been selling farther in the electronic 
after our session. What happens if the market starts selling early in the morning? Where are we likely to go? Let's cut right to the chase. Here's a number for us to keep an eye on. 290.25. Could it be 289.97? Of course. 290.33? Of course. What I'm looking at is the 20 period moving average on the daily chart and I notice a couple of things. Obviously, the market's in an uptrend. We haven't hit the 20-period moving average on the daily chart since really the beginning of April. We were getting a little bit far from home base, and what happens every time we get far away from home base? What happens? The market comes back toward home base. So I have to keep in the front of my mind that we may just be coming back to home base. Now, was today a reversal? We'll find out later, but could a trader trade against today's high yes they could with the full and complete understanding that if we close daily above today's high it was just a fake out trick trap fool and frustrate crew and the market can still go higher but yes a trader can trade against today's high however keep this in mind what's likely to happen under normal garden variety market conditions let me map out what happens tomorrow into friday there's really two distinct possibilities possibility a is we saw a top and they start to kill the market that's certainly a possibility another possibility is we come down we spike through or test the 20 period moving average on the daily chart find some stability and try to rally again and this is where the trick trap fool and frustrate crew comes in The people that buy the puts late, like for example tomorrow morning, in the hole. Let's say the market's down Thursday morning. There are put buyers that show up. The market will mysteriously reverse, smash a pie in the face of the last in put buyer crew. And then you get some panic buying and the market goes back up. Now I'm not saying it goes back up above today's high. I'm just saying normal garden variety markets aren't going to just cut through like a hot knife through butter the 20 period moving average. Now, let's say they did. That's a different story altogether. If they do and we're selling hard and today is the top, then put your seatbelt on. It will be a sell in May and go away market. Remember, we were looking for a top. We'll find out if today was it or not. Just be aware of the different type of scenarios that can play out where we are on different time frames, different charts, where the support is likely to come in. Very, very important to have an awareness. Let's look at some other charts. So the 290.25 comes off the daily chart coinciding with the daily chart 20 period moving average. Now we're down to a different chart, an hourly chart, and all of a sudden you start to see why We may find support at that area, but based on a different reason. Look at all that. That stands out differently than what stood out on the daily chart. So now we have what can be deemed a former breakout area. What do markets like to do? They like to test former breakout and former breakdown areas. The market broke out above this area. Now we're coming down to do what? Test this area. If we cut through it like a hot knife through butter, something else is going on that would not be normal garden variety market behavior. If we have a hard sell, we know that something else is developing and we know that story as well. We have to lay everything out on the table. Another look, another perspective, 120 minute chart, 
same breakout area. It's not out of the realm of possibility that the market just comes down to this area, gives a test, fills a gap, and finds some stability. There's other charts you can look at, but I think you get the point. We should do some additional homework on our own, and I know most of you do. Well, I shouldn't say most, but I know a lot of you do. Most I couldn't vouch for. Camp IWM. What do we have here? Well, we have that same scenario that seems to come up over and over and over again. We have a potential lower high scenario. If it turns out that this ends up being the top, then again, you're looking at a potential sell in May and go away. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. We just came into and closed back below the 20-period moving average. However, the 20-period moving average isn't necessarily as important as the convergence of the 50 and the 200-period moving average just below. Again, you have to look at the market a couple of different ways. Some people only show you one way. I'm going to show you two ways. We're going to look at a bearish way. We're going to look at a bullish way. So the bearish way, we already looked at, but we'll do it again. This is a potential lower high scenario. We can't really break through and the market sells off. So we just did that again for the second time. But on the flip side, why can't it be something like this? So you have an up move here and we've just been essentially bantering back and forth in a bull flag pattern. And this still, even if it does come down a little bit farther, can still take off to the upside why can't that be the case? And I've got news for you. It can be the case. We have to have an awareness of both sides of the market. Just because I say we're looking for a top doesn't mean I can't be wrong. I'm not right 100% of the time. Everybody knows that. I have an awareness that I'm not going to be right 100% of the time. Every day, I'm unpacking what the market is giving me in terms of information. I'm calling balls and strikes, and I'm doing the best I can to convey that information to you folks. The answer is, we're not 100% sure yet. We don't know. IWM closes below 154, 154.50, then we likely know. But until and unless that happens, this still could be in the camp of bantering back and forth. Remember, it's hard to kill a bull. They may kill the market tomorrow and it may become obvious. But on the other hand, we've read this book many, many times before. We had Kabuki Theater today. The market reacted after the Fed announcement, after the press conference. It was into the end of the day, the market really melted down. Okay, fair enough. But what we've seen many, many times is... The following day, the market has an opposite move and the media will assign some other reason or excuse. Doesn't really matter, but we've seen that happen before. So we could see both scenarios. We have to be fully aware and prepared for both scenarios. Obviously, inside the numbers, members will have additional information in the morning in the pre-market morning notes as well as the updates throughout the day. Whether it's now or whether it's in some point in the future, things will get wild and woolly, and we will have to strap on our seatbelts for this market. Speaking of seatbelts, here's the VIX. Nice little spike in the VIX, finishing at the highs. Obviously a mirror image of the market. It does make total sense. You can see where the obvious near-term overhead resistance would be. 
can't you? It's right around the 200, 100 period moving average, 1650 up to 17 and a quarter. In that general area is where you're likely to find overhead resistance sellers that show up at that price area. If you're not really sure about a lot of the things that we're discussing, the detail behind all this stuff is found in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. And there it is. The canary in the coal mine, the transportation department. We've been eyeballing the transports. I've been discussing the canary in the coal mine. I titled a video canary in the coal mine. We've had this one lock, stock, and barrel. Look at the comparison today. The transports were down about 1.7%. The SPX, that's the S&P cash index, was down about three quarters of 1%. The high in the transports was made on the 24th of April. So far, the high in the S&P was made today. This is how we build the puzzle. This was a puzzle piece for days and days and days. And it's not that it tells you when the S&P is going to turn, but it is a canary in the coal mine. So we have an uptrend on one hand. We have another market that's diverging on the other. So it gives us the opportunity to be on the lookout. We're rarely going to be surprised at what happens in the market. We may not nail the top. We may not nail a bottom. I'm going to get trades wrong. That's just the way it is. However, we're not going to necessarily have that deer in the headlights look too often. You know, the look that mutual fund, hedge fund managers, all the money managers had in December 2018. Nobody here had that look. Nobody here should ever have that look. Back to the transports. So where are we in the transports? It's important to realize where we are. Again, we're right back to a breakout area. We talked about this last night. So that's where we came today. Doesn't mean it has to hold, but it makes sense. That's why it stopped there today. What's the bogey for the transports right now? It's this breakup candle low, 10,432 spot 96. Daily close below that, trouble. Until and unless that happens, that's around the same general area as these moving averages. If we cut through these like a hot knife through butter, similar to the discussion that we had with the S&P, then something else is going on. We likely saw the top and that's the end of it. However, there's nothing that says we can't come into these moving averages and have a bounce off those moving averages or a rally off those moving averages for two or three days. There's nothing that says that can't happen. Think about it for a second. Anybody that's taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader understands when we're looking at the transportation chart, we understand that it looks different than the S&P. When we think about time being more important than price, we have a different perspective than we have when we look at the SPY chart. We have a different perspective on the transports. It's possible, again, being a canary in the coal mine, can the transports actually come into these moving averages and cause a rally in the stock market by virtue of getting to a destination on the downside first? And the answer is absolutely. Don't have a one-sided mind. Have an open mind. Look at every chart independent of A, other charts, and independent of bias. Keep your bias in the garage. Just look at the charts and say, what's going on in the transport charts? Have tunnel vision. Tech sector, Silicon Valley, what's going on here? Everything's the same or similar to everything we discussed 
the Qs are above all the moving averages. We had a reversal day. So we need follow through. You're going to need to see in all these markets, you're going to need to see follow through if you want confirmation that there's going to be significant downside sooner than later. If we don't get the confirmation, if tomorrow finishes, for example, above today's low, then today was just a down day in an uptrend. Nothing more, nothing less. That's the way we're going to have to read it in the short term. How about the XLF, the financials? So a couple of interesting things today. The financials were holding up until the end of the day. Then they went down with everything else. But they were down 1%, which is roughly on par with the S&P. A little bit outpacing, however, not by too much. Not really out of whack with anything else. What's interesting is it was a Fed day, interest rate sensitive sector, monetary policy, the whole ball of wax. That being said, the market was down from its highs in a gap in crap, but it really doesn't look the same to me on the XLF. The XLF actually looks to be in a stronger position. So I have to take that as a puzzle piece and put it on the table. We're significantly above home base. We can come back down toward home base, but guess what? If we come back down toward home base, where are we coming? Right down to this last breakout area, and I'm not sure the market doesn't hold there and then take off again. Again, looking at both sides of the market. One way or the other, one side or the other, will become extremely obvious. Just because today was a reversal and it was a down day doesn't mean it has to be a multi-week or multi-month decline across all markets. What we have is a potential top and day one. We've seen this before and we've seen this before during the current uptrend. One more thing we should mention as it relates to the Fed and interest rates and financials Yesterday, I discussed inflation, and I discussed it really, really briefly. I used a couple of words I probably shouldn't have used because I got a lot of comments and I got a lot of emails flooding my inbox with explanation of what inflation is. I used two words, don't understand, and I used them sarcastically, rhetorically. I fully understand the whole economic landscape But when I said yesterday, I don't understand why the Fed likes inflation, that was the rhetorical part. You can't convince me inflation is good. Let me just break it apart like this. And I tried to do this in one of the posts last night, so hopefully some of you read this. Inflation, just like anything else, whether it's employment, whether it's real estate, whether it's a recession, or a boom time. Everything really depends on the individual. As a collective or individually, we really don't care if there's inflation or if there's no inflation. But you care and I care. Everybody independently of each other cares about themselves. They care about their own world. So if, for example, my wages are stagnant and the cost of living continues to rise, then I have personal inflation, and it's not a good thing. I don't give a crap what the Fed says. However, if I have wage inflation and I have asset inflation, the cost of my home is rising. The cost of other assets I own might be rising. I have a stock portfolio that may be rising. Inflation is good for me, or it's good for that particular guy. 
So just like anything else, inflation is in the eye of the beholder. Don't listen to the idiots. One more comment also. I just found something very, very interesting this morning. I happened to catch Jeremy Siegel on TV early this morning. Now, I turned the sound on because I generally do for entertainment when he's on. He's not on all that much anymore, but he's definitely a perma-bull. And to his credit, for years and years and years, he's obviously been right. But even through the bear markets, the big corrections, he always stays bullish. That's just his stance. It's who he is. He's a professor or maybe a retired professor from, I believe, the Wharton School of Business. He's also one of the names behind Wisdom Tree Funds. And he's been on and off CNBC for years and years and years. But he was talking about something this morning I found really, really interesting that I didn't expect to come from him. Now, unless I have him mixed up with somebody else, I'm pretty sure he's the one that said this. So if I'm making an error, I apologize in advance. However, what I believe he said was that he thinks some of the things the Fed has done are dangerous. And what he was referring to has to do with groupthink. He, or whoever I was listening to at the time, noted that in some extended period of time, and I don't remember what the extended period of time was, there have only really been two dissenting votes whenever they vote as a group. And that's interesting in and of itself, because in a group like that, you're supposed to have diverse opinions. And that in and of itself has been the issue with economists for years and years and years. Group think. Most people have a big, big issue with being an outlier. They don't want to be the one person dissenting from a group. So it's easier just to go along to get along. Well, you know me better than that by now. I don't do that. I'm the ultimate contrarian. I don't do well in groups. I'm not a group thinker. Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting piece of information. Doesn't necessarily help or hurt us today or tomorrow. It's just information. I thought it was interesting. I don't hold much stock in what the Fed says or doesn't say, does or doesn't do. Doesn't really matter. I'm a believer that the market is the ultimate arbiter. Obviously, the Fed does their meddling and has done their meddling over the years. And that certainly has short-term impacts on interest rates, stock markets, bond markets, other markets across the globe. But nevertheless, the market itself is the ultimate arbiter. I made some promises. I've got to cover gold and silver today. And I also want to cover a couple of other things. So let's get moving. I'm running out of time. Gold's in a downtrend. Where's it going? Well, if gold takes out the recent low, also the 200-period moving average, it's still going to find some support at 1260. We'll have to see what happens there. But 1260 would be a pretty decent level of support for gold. Maybe a couple of bucks on either side. But 1260 is your number where gold is likely to find some buyers that show up to the window. What turns gold bullish? Well, you really have to get above this 20 period moving average on the daily chart right now it's at 1288 call it in that neighborhood and you have to sustain that so first order of business would be to get up above 1288 or so and close up there hourly and then daily that's the first order of business to turn what seems to be and what is a daily chart downtrend what turns it bullish would be hourly and then daily closes above 1288. That'll be a moving target as you see the moving average sloping down. So each and every day that number will change. But I'm giving you a ballpark number what turns the short-term trend up. 
silver. Silver looks uglier than gold, but you're coming into an area where there's a higher low here and it's a double bottom area. So look for some support coming up in the silver market. And we're pretty close right now. So just a little bit lower, even where we were this afternoon. That's the general area where we should be finding some support for silver. If that's not supportive of the market, then there could be a lot lower to go in silver. Generally speaking, gold and silver don't necessarily trade together all day, every day. In large part, they're going to trade in tandem on the big picture. How about crude oil? What's going on over there? Well, crude oil is now below the 20-period moving average on the daily chart, and you can see it's beginning to make a bear flag pattern. So if that holds true, likely story is we're going to see lower prices in crude oil. Where would those lower prices be? Well, it looks like they would be the convergence of those moving averages, the 50 and the 200-period moving average. But it would likely be just below that, 59.5, maybe just below $60.00. That's what would happen if this bear flag pattern played out in crude oil. And folks, with that, it's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss tonight, so we will give it a wrap here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.